My name's Ben Arthur, and you're listening to Songwriter, a podcast of stories and answer songs. This week's song is by musician Vienna Tang, but first we'll hear a story from one of America's most familiar and trusted voices. I'm Kurt Anderson, and I'm the author of Fantasyland, How America Went Haywire, a 500-Year History. Though he's also a best-selling author and a novelist, Kurt is best known as the creator and host of Public Radio's Studio 360. He conceived of his book Fantasyland long before fake news took its thematic place in the 2016 election. A broad but incisive historical survey, Fantasyland examines America's long-standing love affair with bullshit. Fantasyland also represented a special challenge for this week's songwriter. Though I've asked songwriters to respond to poetry, short stories, and memoir, this was the first time songwriter used a work of historical analysis as its starting point. Not at all sure what to expect myself, I asked Kurt what his expectations were before the show. I had never attended one of these events. I had uh, never met and barely heard the music of Vienna. So my expectations really ranged from this could be an extraordinary, marvelous wonderment of a kind I've never experienced before, or it could be some kind of humiliating disaster that I never want to experience again. Happily, it was much, much, much closer to the former. So now, reading from Fantasyland, Kurt Anderson live at Greenwich House in New York City. People tend to regard the Trump moment, this post-truth alternative facts moment, as some inexplicable and crazy new American phenomenon. In fact, what's happening is just the ultimate extrapolation and expression of attitudes and instincts that have made America exceptional for its entire history, and really from its prehistory. America was created by true believers and passionate dreamers, by hucksters and their suckers, which over the course of four centuries has made us susceptible to fantasy, as epitomized by everything from Salem hunting witches to Joseph Smith creating Mormonism, from P.T. Barnum to Henry David Thoreau to speaking in tongues, from Hollywood to Scientology to conspiracy theories, from Walt Disney to Billy Graham to Ronald Reagan to Oprah Winfrey to Donald Trump. In other words, mix epic individualism with extreme religion, mix show business with everything else, let all that steep and simmer for a few centuries, run it through the anything-goes 1960s and the Internet age. The result is the America we inhabit today, where reality and fantasy are weirdly and dangerously blurred and commingled. And with this introduction, Kurt turned to the story of one of America's earliest settlers, Anne Hutchinson. The Massachusetts Bay Colony grew fast, from a population of 1,000 to 40,000 in its first decade or so. One of them was Anne Hutchinson, daughter of a minister, wife of a well-to-do merchant, mother of a dozen children, Boston neighbor of Governor Winthrop, and a charismatic, extremely impassioned Puritan. She promptly set herself up as a de facto preacher. Every week, dozens of women came to the Hutchinson's big house to hear her critiques of the previous Sunday's church sermons and ask questions about sin, salvation, and God. Her followers took to walking out of church in the middle of sermons by ministers they weren't feeling. Anne Hutchinson, resident in America for only a thousand days, 
was leading a movement to make her colony of magical thinkers even more fervent. The colony's leadership soon took notice, and it wasn't long before Anne Hutchinson found herself in a courtroom defending her beliefs and her life. She was charged and tried for defaming ministers. Governor Winthrop served as chief judge. On the first day of her testimony, in November 1637, she stayed within the bounds of Puritan intellectualism, batting scriptural references back and forth, arguing that her religious meetings weren't public events. She didn't quite tell them she was godlier than they, but her contempt was clear. We are your judges, Winthrop told her, and not you, ours. She fainted. When her trial resumed the next day, she let it all hang out. It wasn't just the Bible that guided her, but the Holy Spirit. That is, God, speaking to her personally, just as he had spoken to people in the Bible. It was, she told them, an immediate revelation by the voice of his own spirit to my soul. God had said to me, I am the same God that delivered Daniel out of the lion's den. I will also deliver thee. Governor Winthrop and his 40 fellow judges had assembled to convict her of something, and now she'd made it easy. Furthermore, she threatened them and their misguided regime with God's own wrath. Therefore, take heed how you proceed against me, for this you go about to do to me. God will ruin you and your posterity and this whole state. This is the thing that has been the root of all the mischief, Winthrop bellowed, pointing at her, and also... I am persuaded that the revelation she brings forth is delusion. The court might have brought a conviction for witchcraft and executed her. Instead, they threw her out of the colony. Though she didn't know it, Anne Hutchinson's time in America was quickly running out. Yet, as Kurt points out in the book, her influence is still felt here today. Alone among the Puritans, Anne Hutchinson is the one with whom American sensibilities today can connect. Because America is now a nation where every individual is gloriously free to construct any version of reality he or she devoutly believes to be true. American Christianity in the 21st century resembles Hutchinson's version more than it does the official American Christianity of her time. In other words, Anne Hutchinson lost her battle in Cambridge but would finally win the war. For the Puritan leaders, it was their way or the highway. But In America, there was an infinity of highways and new places not so far away where outcast true believers could move. Hutchinson herself first moved to Providence, Rhode Island, and eventually to what is now New York. Kurt adds this grim postscript to her story. After a few years in Rhode Island exile, Anne Hutchinson moved south to New Netherland, building a house in what's now the Bronx. Local natives promptly slaughtered her and six of her children. It was an epic irony, given that Hutchinson's dovishness toward Indians had been another point of contention in Massachusetts. The Hutchinson Massacre, those New England leaders reckoned when they learned of it, was perfect divine punishment. Thank you. And with that, we turn to our songwriter to see what she made of Kurt's Fantasyland. My name is Vienna Tang. I'm a singer, songwriter, and piano player. I first met Vienna on tour in 2003 when we covered large sections of the Midwest and East Coast in Willie Nelson's old bus. 
Since then, Vienna has released four more albums, written and produced a musical, and gotten two graduate degrees in sustainable development. I asked her about her initial reaction to Fantasyland. I actually came out of it feeling sort of frustrated and a little bit annoyed. You know, anything is good fodder, right? <laughs> so I sat with that frustration and that annoyance for a while. It, it felt like it really was uh, going to be a song about trying to have a conversation and failing. You know, like having two very different points of view and just like failing to actually connect in the middle. And so I was trying to figure out, like, well, how do you put two things in one song um, that are just completely, you know, disconnected or like talking past each other? And I've been playing a lot with this vocal looper over the years, and I thought, well, what if one of them is singing four words, but then when you flip it, and um, you know, that's when the other person comes into the picture. So they're looking at this kind of mirror image, and it's distorted, and you're not understanding it, and you're singing your own point of view. But then when it flips back, of course, now you're the one in reverse and the other person is the one who makes sense. You know, when you sing, you are just kind of seeing whatever the truth that's embodied in your voice is at any given time. And it could be a total lie. It could be fiction. It could be, you know, someone else's point of view. Like, that's kind of what the power of the, the voice in a song is. So I've written from the point of view of what I would call an unreliable narrator before. It's, it's actually one of the most fun things um, in songwriting, I find, is when you're writing from this point of view of a person who cannot be trusted or has, a, has something to sell you or has something about them that's off. And it's a really fun character to embody. But of course, there are some dangers in that too, right? Because if you are just sort of too earnest and straightforward with it, then people can easily think that, oh, that's who you are. Like, that's, <laughs> that's where you're coming from. With this particular song, I felt like it would be fun to just, just you know, smack people in the face with <laughs> this one particular point of view. And so this refrain ended up being, um, if you believe enough, anything is possible. And, you know, I draw that out enough so that it's, it sounds like this sort of, you know, infomercial pop song, I guess. Then um, the, the refrain of the, of the opposing point of view, I guess you could say, um, is a, a little faster rhythm and it's almost meant to be sort of just someone trying to have a conversation or trying to be heard. Um, and saying, like, well, cooler heads will prevail when the dust is settled and all is said and done. Um, trying to almost like reassure themselves. So it, it was interesting to realize that, you know, like for me anyway, I couldn't actually remember that refrain that easily and the catchy you know like magical thinking like just manifest what you want in the world like that was the one that I was like humming all the time I was like oh this is oh it's sneaky <laughs> so now here's Vienna Tang playing her response to Kurt Anderson's Fantasyland live in New York at Greenwich House Tick, tick, tick. 
That was Vienna Tang playing her song written in response to Kurt Anderson's Fantasyland. For the show with Kurt and Vienna, I wrote a song in response to Fantasyland as well. If you want to check it out, you can go to pastemagazine.com where it's streaming or to your favorite digital music outlet. You can always get early access to the Songwriter Podcast at Paste Magazine. Just go to pastemagazine.com and search for Ben Arthur. And while you're there, check out the Paste Podcast or get it wherever you get yours. The next episode will feature a story from retired New York City police captain Rita Mullaney and a song written in response by veteran musician Byron Isaacs.